we were just in a time of, of uh, prayer and, and consecration before the Lord with our church family um, in Harrisburg. Um, and the Lord put up on our heart to, to start a prayer walk, but not necessarily a physical prayer walk around the city of Harrisburg. Many, many people have done that, are still doing that, and it's a very necessary part of spiritual warfare. But the Lord told us to take a prayer walk that goes, uh, that would go through our hearts and in our households um, so that it would have a little bit more of a personal impact and meaning for us. And so your pastor asked us to share and talk about that prayer walk that was all about restoring the gates of our hearts and our homes. And I'll connect that for you in just a minute. It comes out of the book of Nehemiah where the story is told uh, about how God used this man to restore those gates and walls that were around Jerusalem. Before we get into that, I just want to pray and uh, so that we're hearts and open and we're able to hear and to receive what God has for us. Because this isn't just a teaching. It's not even a teaching series. It really is a prayer walk. It's an opportunity to literally allow the Holy Spirit to walk us through the places in our lives and in our hearts and in our homes where the enemy was able to, to successfully you know, tear down some walls and destroy some gates. And we're going to take a prayer walk like Nehemiah did and the people of God did. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to share your word and to walk us through this journey in our hearts and our homes. In this very moment, Chris Green decreases, that you would increase. Lord, these, nobody gathered here today to just hear Chris Green talk, but we gathered here to hear from you. So, Lord, I ask you to take control of this meeting, of this prayer session. Do what you desire to do. We honor your presence, Holy Spirit. We welcome you here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So our prayer focus is, really comes from the book of Nehemiah. Ancient cities uh, like Jerusalem were really built more like uh, fortresses. In, in that they were surrounded by massive uh, stone walls and they would have multiple gates along the walls all the way around. And these, these gates were actually the weakest points of the wall, obviously. Um, uh, but they would fortify these gates to make them as strong as possible. Um, in about 587 BC, uh, Babylon attacked Jerusalem and they burned the temple. Uh, they burned the palace. They did burn down the most important houses, government officials, and, and uh, all the important buildings. They broke down the city walls, um, and they burned the gates. <laughs> I mean, they burned the gates. Uh, and um, many years later, about 466 B.C., Nehemiah was one of the exiles uh, serving under King Exerces in Persia because what happened after Babylon, um, the Persians came in and overthrew them. And then under these various Persian kings, uh, God kept giving his people favor through these Persian kings. One of them was Cyrus. And uh, the significance of that is that many, many believers in America believe that God is using Donald Trump like a Cyrus. Cyrus was not necessarily a godly man, a God-fearing man, <laughs> uh, but he had a soft heart towards God's people. And so God was able to do uh, a great favor came to the people of God through Cyrus. And so this particular king named Exorcist, uh, and he was another one who had a soft heart toward God's people. And he allowed Nehemiah uh, to go back to Jerusalem and begin to rebuild the gates and the walls. Before that, Ezra had been allowed uh, to go and rebuild the temple. 
And I believe there's prophetic significance with that of um, that the temple, you know, Ezra actually went first and started the process of rebuilding the temple, reestablishing worship uh, and the sacrificing and all of that. And I believe we've seen that in, in our world, in our country, the restoration of worship. I believe that that's a whole lot of why we saw the explosion of worship ministries in the United States because it was a similar of Ezra uh, reestablishing worship the way God really wanted it. If you grew up maybe in the 40s or 50s or 60s, you know that a lot, there wasn't much emphasis in worship in the church. Uh, we had a lot of, you know, you know, maybe a choir singing, more people just more, it was more like just uh, people sitting and watching someone else sing but not audience participating in everybody joining in in corporate worship. And so when that exploded on the scene, in, in particularly here in America, I believe that was kind of like what happened with the people of God when Ezra went back and restored the worship and the sacrifices. But even after that, some more work needed to be done. And I believe that that's where we are in this nation. We're at that part of, okay, some more needs to be done. It's great that we've got the worship reestablished. It's great that we have the sacrifices being reestablished. It's great that the prophetic is being reestablished, all of that. But we've still got broken down walls. And we still got burned down gates. Homes have been destroyed. Families have been destroyed. And so Nehemiah was still so very much upset, even though I'm thankful for what's happening. When I get news, of, you know, when you heard the news about uh, the restoration taking place with the temple, but, it, but Nehemiah was still really upset about the fact that the walls are still torn down. The gates were still wide open for the enemy to come in at any time he wants to in our families. And now comes the real work, <laughs> the real work. And so you'll find when you read the book of Nehemiah, and I won't go through all of that, just kind of highlight some things for you. At the first chapter, you'll see um, where he has that conversation about what's going on in his, in his home city. In the second chapter, you can uh, see how it came to pass. It says that the, you know, his, the king saw that his face was sad and, uh, and, and um, you know, really wanted to know what was going on with Nehemiah. Why are, you, why are you looking down? And Nehemiah was able to tell him what was going on. The king gave him permission to go back, uh, actually gave him uh, uh, a letter, a, a permit. He gave him some uh, soldiers, gave him some protection. So he got provi provision, protection, <laughs> and he went back with a purpose. And uh, along the way, you'll, uh, if you continue, you can read in the third chapter of Nehemiah, and it takes you through the actual process of the restoration of the gates. In Nehemiah 3, the very first verse, you'll see the restoration of the sheep gate. All of these gates had a particular name because they had a particular purpose. So in, the, in the Nehemiah 3, verse 1, you see the restoration of the sheep gate. On the third verse, you see the restoration of the fish gate. In the sixth verse, you'll see the repair of the old gate. The 13th verse is the repair of the valley gate. The 14th verse, you'll see the repair of the refuse gate. The 15th verse, you get to the repairs of the fountain gate. Then you have to go all the way down to verse 26, and you'll see where the repairs were made in front of the water gate. 28, the horse gate and the east gate. Both of those are mentioned in verse 28. And then finally, verse 31, it gets to the inspection gate. Ten gates. Now, I've heard that the city of Harrisburg also has ten gates that are modeled after Jerusalem. And uh, many people have documented it. They've written about it. Uh, and I'm sure that many people have taught about it through the years, uh, about how Harrisburg itself actually has these ten gates uh, with the very same names. Now, although that's very impressive, <laughs> um, I'm one of those people who needs practical application of a spiritual revelation. 
every time someone has told me about the, the 10 gates around Harrisburg, then my next question is, well, how does that apply to what Harrisburg needs? It's great to have the revelation about it, but when are we going to have application of that revelation? Because revelation without application is just more knowledge that puffs us up. <laughs> in pride <laughs> because of all that we know. Um, we have to have application, which means then we need the wisdom of God of how to apply the revelation of these gates. And when wisdom comes on the scene, I, one thing I've learned about when it comes to wisdom, wisdom you begin to immediately find out how much you don't know. <laughs> wisdom is having enough sense to know that I don't know. <laughs> I don't know as much as I thought I knew. It seems like the older I get, the less I know. Anybody, is it just me? It's, the older I get, the less I know. When I was younger, I knew it all. <laughs> I had all the answers. You started sentences with, well, all you have to do is, remember that? Back in your 20s when you always, and especially as a teenager, well, all you have to do is, because life was so simple, it was just, all, if, if everybody would just do what I'm saying, we would solve all the problems in the world. But as you get older, <laughs> you find out that you didn't learn everything in the kindergarten. <laughs> yeah, all I, I found out everything I needed to know when I was in the kindergarten. <laughs> When I was smarter and smarter, by the time I was a senior in high school, I was a genius. <laughs> and then you get out of high school and start having to pay bills and work and all of that and find out you don't know anything. <laughs> Man. So I feel like we need practical application of the spiritual revelation. How will this information, this revelation about these gates, how is it going to help me in my heart? and in my soul, in my mind, in my body, in my marriage, in my family, in my neighborhood, in my employment, in my education, in my life, where we are working in the inner city. How is this revelation of these 10 gates gonna help struggling parents? How is this going to help the homeless? the hurting, the lost, the forgotten, the abandoned. So it's not so much getting a great revelation about these gates, but it really is getting the understanding of how to apply this revelation on a very personal level, allowing the Holy Spirit to tell us and show us how to restore these gates and these walls in our hearts and homes. Now, I want to give you fair warning, if you take this prayer walk through your heart and home, you're going to have opposition. <laughs> you're going to have opposition. You'll find that in Nehemiah, the fourth chapter, as soon as they started uh, just working on this project, immediately they had opposition. And Nehemiah even spells out exactly who that opposition came from. I shared this, Carol and I shared this with you guys before, but it's been a, quite a while. So before I get to the gates, I want to just remind you of the four major spiritual forces that oppose the rebuilding of the gates and walls. He mentions four, in, four uh, people, human beings, but it's the spiritual forces that were behind these people that we are dealing with today in America and all over the world. One of those people that opposed the building of the wall was a man by the name of Sanballat. Sanballat was a Moabite, and the Moabites worshiped a particular demonic entity known as Chemosh. Uh, this was a god that was honored through cruel and perverse practices like baby sacrificing. Does that sound familiar? Yes. Sacrificing babies. So when we talk about the abortion issue in America, it's not just a bunch of evangelical, right-wing, conservative, Republican nut jobs opposing women's health. 
This is a demonic spirit that goes back to ancient times that had people literally bringing their babies to be burned on altars so that this God, Chemosh, would bless them with greater wealth, increase their uh, the growth of their crops would increase their economy. Sound familiar? So we're not, it's not just a bunch of Christian <coughs> wackos <laughs> opposing progress. No, we're standing up to a demonic spirit that opposed the rebuilding of the gates and walls. You, you would go, uh, why would there be opposition? Nehemiah came back to simply rebuild the gates and walls of their own city. They weren't building an army. They weren't about to launch an attack to oppose anybody. This is the same for us today. All I'm trying to do is rebuild my family get my marriage together, raise my kids. But yet there's a demonic spirit that says, the moment you and I decide I'm going to focus on my home and my family, my children, then I'm going to raise up and oppose that. San Ballot that Moabite who worshiped Chemosh, Chemosh also was the demonic spirit that inspired and enforced the whole heterosexual, homosexual, transgender lifestyle. It was a part of the worship of this demon. So again, it's not human beings. It's a demonic force that is opposing the rebuild. The next one was mentioned was Tobiah, was another person who opposed the rebuilding process. Tobiah was an Ammonite. The Ammonites worshiped Molech, which also required the same practice that was mentioned uh, as Chemosh. Uh, by the way, Samballot, being a Moabite, um, the Moabites were the people group that was really birthed out of incest. So you're talking about perversion in the DNA. Uh, Lot had inappropriate relationships with his daughters. Uh, the first son that was born was named Moab, from which came the Moabites. The next son, the, the, another daughter, did the same thing, and they had a son. And from that union came the Ammonites. And Tobiah was an Ammonite. So you're talking about perversion at the very beginning of these people groups that these demonic powers could then come and just have free reign in them. And all they're doing is just simply observing God's people trying to get their act together, and they got angry. Hasn't that how it's been for many believers in this country the past few years? We haven't come out against Anybody. All we've said is, can we at least have the freedom to raise our own kids, yes. protect my own marriage? Mm -hmm. And the answer has been, no, you can't rebuild that wall. You can't restore those gates. Puts it on a completely different level, doesn't it, guys, yes. when you understand where this came from? Then the next group that he mentions was the Arabs. Now, in the context of this prayer focus, the Arabs represent um, those things and those people that contest our birthrights. And that's because, as we know, Abraham had a son by Hagar, and from that came the Arabs, and he had a son uh, by Sarah, and that's Isaac, the Jews. And to this very day, <laughs> we still have that battle going forth about who has the birthright. One is the firstborn from a slave, one is the birth, firstborn from the free woman, from his actual wife. 
And so they battle to, to this day about who has the birthright. And a big part of the opposition, especially coming from those who are uh, Arabs, they have taken on the position of not only do you not have the birthright, but you do not have the right to even exist. Again, they take it a step further. No, we're not willing to share space. Our position is, as it was for the Arabs in that time that opposed this rebuild, we do not believe that you have the right to even be here. When they say, when they say birthright, they mean the right to even be born. <laughs> the right to even exist. And that battle still exists today. So when you're talking about a birthright opposition, we're talking about a demonic spiritual influence that contests and fights against your and my rights to raise our children. Isn't it been what we've seen? You and my rights to protect our families. You're in my rights to ex protect our freedom of expression. You're in my rights to protect our freedom of religious practice. So it's a spiritual influence, that same influence that oppose Nehemiah and the people of God from this people group with this spiritual influence that says you don't have those rights. And then the last group that Nehemiah mentioned was the Ashdodites. Ashdod was the name of the city that these people lived in. They were, by the people group, was, they were actually Philistines. <laughs> and we all know the trouble and the fights and the issues that the people of God constantly had with the Philistines. But the reason why I believe uh, uh, Nehemiah chose to just not simply say it was the Philistines, he used the name of the city that they were from called the Ashdodites is because the name of the city means I will spoil. Now, those of you who are familiar with sports, uh, the spoiler is that team that they've already lost. They're not going to make the playoffs or anything like that. And so they play out the rest of the season just simply trying to spoil the other teams that they're playing to spoil their opportunity to make it to the playoffs. I'm not going anywhere, and I'm going to try to make sure you don't go either. That's, that's, that's just like the devil himself. Right. For all eternity, I'm going to be separated from God, and so I'm going to do all I can yes. to drag down as many as I can with me. Mm -hmm. Here's how that Ashdodite spirit also manifests today. Anybody familiar with this thing called bullying? Isn't it amazing that that is a major issue in our country right now? I will spoil. I'm not going to make anything of my life, and I get envious when I see other kids, when I see coworkers, when I see neighbors, when I see anybody else trying to make something of their life, I'm going to spoil it for them. Isn't that something? So again, we're talking about a spirit, a spiritual influence that is opposing our effort to rebuild and restore these gates. Wow. Also be mindful as we go through this prayer journey, and please keep me up on the time because I don't know how far we'll get. We'll get as far as we can today on these gates. Don't say take your time, preacher. Don't ever say take your time. <laughs> We're going to go through as much as we can because I believe this is necessary. Yeah. Now, I want you to think about what's, just hap what's been happening in the history of your family. Normally, when we would do this, my wife and I, this is a full, this is almost, uh, uh, we would start on a Friday night. We're just going through uh, these four demonic influences and break those in everyone's life. And then we take all day on a Saturday and go through each and every gate. And it's something that God put up on our hearts to do with heads of households. This is not for the teenagers and the, and the children and all of that. This is just for the heads of households to walk through. Because we want you to then take it into your family and then walk through it with your family. 
So normally it would take us all day on a Saturday to go through these gates. I'm going to go through as many as I can in this short amount of time that we have here. And if you really want to go into the details of it all, this is what's in one of our books. Some of you may have seen our book called Fight for Your Family, and it goes through each and every one of these gates with the prayer that goes along with it. Uh, wow. So also be mindful as we're going through this journey. Uh, every gate may not be a critical issue for you but it could be critical for somebody else because everybody doesn't have all 10 gates broken down in their family. But as you walk through, so just be mindful, if we're praying about something that may not necessarily be an issue for you, it's an issue for somebody. Yes. That gate is broken down in somebody's life, in somebody's heart, someone's home. Thank you, Lord. So the Spirit of God led us from this backdrop from of this restoration of all of these gates and everything. He kind of led us through this prayer journey. Um, since we were sent to Harrisburg to rebuild and restore and renew hearts and homes, we believe that we have a similar Nehemiah assignment. Uh, if you go to our website and uh, you've heard our ministry through the years, that's why you keep hearing us talk about rebuilding, restoring, renewing hearts and homes. Now God happened to place us in the city of Harrisburg, but it's really not necessarily a quote urban inner city ministry, even though that's where we are. It's a family ministry, but God placed us there so that he could help us uh, hear his strategy and it would be at such a level that you could take this anywhere. Thank you, Lord. Proverbs 4, verse 23, it says this in the Amplified Bible. It says, keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard. For out of it or out of your heart flows the springs, flow the springs or the issues of life. Whatever is in your heart depends upon what has been allowed to come in and through your gates over the years of your life. Let me say that again. Whatever is in your heart depends upon what has been allowed to come in and through your gates over the years of your life. That's why Proverbs 4 says, keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard. <clears throat> Isn't that amazing? Because whatever flows out of your heart that will be your view of life, and it depends upon how your heart has been guarded. There were 10 gates that were embedded. We're going to look at each one now. Well, I want to just pray as we get started. Lord, we thank you for giving us this opportunity to rebuild and restore and renew these vital gates. They're so important. For some of us, this will be the first time that these gates will ever be established. For others, it will be the first time in many generations that these gates will be set in place. But no matter how long it's been or if it's never been, we're just thankful that in our lifetime, these gates will be set in place. <laughs> Even though the same spiritual forces that influence Sanballat and Tobiah, and the Arabs, and the Ammonites, even though those same spiritual forces have risen in our time. Lord, we take on the same position that Nehemiah and the people of God did. Your word says that they set a watch day and night. In the authority of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. The first gate that was established... I'm going to read this, and then we're going to pray together. If you come up and help me, dear. The sheep gate was the, the first gate that was reestablished. The sheep gate was the place where sheep and lamb were brought into the city and taken to the temple to be used in the temple sacrifices. This gate symbolizes the place where Jesus, as the sacrificial lamb, comes into our hearts and homes. This gate must be repaired and restored because it means we are establishing this one prevailing truth for our families. Jesus Christ is the only Savior and Lord of our household. 
That's why this gate's first one. First gate, Jesus is Lord. Now you can see why that gate is so important. First thing to establish in my house, and for some of you, you know why this is so important, because you may have grown up in a house where Jesus wasn't Lord. So you know why this gate is so important. Jesus is Lord. We must accept this truth that Jesus is, he is our Lord, he's our Savior. If this gate is broken down, our family will believe that there's some other way to find deliverance. They'll believe there's some other way to find freedom, some other way to find success. It's the reason why so many families, we see it all the time where we are in Harrisburg, they look to the president. They look to the governor. They look to the mayor. And that is because Jesus isn't Lord. So what else could they possibly look for? You're going to look to human beings to be the deliverer and the savior of our family. Or they'll look to the business community. They'll look to education. We see this a lot. If I can just get our family educated, if I can get my kids through school, if we could just get education, that's going to be the answer. Education is beneficial, but it's not the thing that's going to deliver you. Education can get you a job, but it can't keep your marriage together. <laughs> it can't save your children. It can get you a good paying job but it can't deliver your family. This gate has been destroyed in many hearts and homes and most people do not see Jesus Christ as the answer for themselves or for their family. But today we restore the sheep gate. Jesus is the answer for our family. So just join us in praying right now. Thank you, Lord. Father God, we start this journey of making repairs to the gates that surround our lives. We acknowledge that your son, Jesus Christ, is our only hope. Just say that over your family right now. Jesus, you're our only hope. You're our savior. That's right. Go ahead and put it even in your own words. You're the Lord. Come on, you say it. You're building this gate over your household. Just declare it now. You're the Lord. That's what you're our savior. That's right. You're our deliverer. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's right. Just say it. Just declare it out there. Just see, you, see it in the spirit as you are just building that gate, reestablishing that gate that's been, that may have been torn down or broken over your household. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, for some of us, we've been open to those concepts and ideas that are against you and your ways. We've been open to those things. We've opened up the doors to new age beliefs, to humanistic philosophies. But Lord, we silence it now and say, you are Lord, you are King. Thank you, Lord God. We're not going to mix it up with a little bit of new age. <laughs> you're it, you're it. We're not going to mix it up with a little bit of astrology. Yes, Lord God, you're it. You're our guiding. You're, you are the one that guide us every day. We don't get up and read our horoscope. Lord, we silence that. We stop that now. Thank you, Lord God. For those of you who may have referred to yourself according to some zodiac sign, stop it. Just repent of it. Say, Lord, I stop that right now. My, I'm a child of God. I remember when I was in high school and I was walking around with one of those because I was born in September. And so I had the symbol for that on, on my chain around my neck. And the Holy Spirit convicted me just out of the clear blue. And he said, you're not a, what's the Virgo. He said, that's not your sign. He said, your sign is the cross. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> your life is not determined by how stars are moving across the sky. So if, if that was part of your life, just, just denounce it now. Just say, Lord, I repent for ever even opening that up. And I silence that I stop that. And if there's any material like that in your family, in your household, get rid of it. Throw it out. Throw it out. Just, Lord, you're king. You're the Lord. You have the final say over my life. Thank you, Lord God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Isn't that awesome? Bless the Lord. Now the fish gate. Come on, journey with me to the fish gate. Thank you, Lord.
this was the entrance that the fishermen used to bring in their catch. Many of you are aware of this teaching. Uh, this gate symbolizes the place where we see the importance of our role as a fisherman. Jesus said to his disciples, remember this, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Fishermen understand, and some of you who fish, you know this way better than me, the importance of using lures and bait to catch fish. They understand even the right time to go fishing. There are certain times of the day that the fish are active. They even understand that when some fish, meaning people, they have to be caught in a net. Some people are not ready, and they have to be released. According to Jesus' parable about the kingdom of God, some people are like that fish, like those fish that have to be thrown back into the sea until they are ready. Because the Bible says, he that wins souls is wise. Why am I sharing this? Because sometimes we've been pushed by the, by the guilt-ridden messages that you're not winning souls at the rate of 100 people a day, and so you're not doing what you're supposed to do. No, it's it. Fishers of men. Jesus said, follow me, and I'll teach you to become fishers of men, not recruiters into an organization. Yes. <laughs> fishers of men. Why is that important? The fish gate symbolizes the importance of living a life that's like a lure, and it's like bait, that attracts people to come into the kingdom of God. God, I want the fish gate established in our house that when people see our family, they want that. Amen. Yes, Lord. Yes. You had something. Oh, I was thinking, too, it also requires a, a great deal of patience because you're, since you're having to let some people go who aren't ready, you have to have patience and pray for them um, as until they come to the end of themselves, until God brings them to the end of themselves, and be, be ready to be there for them when they do come back. Yes, Lord. So come on, let's build that gate right now. Thank you, Lord. Lord, help us to live that life that is pleasing to you. Yes, Lord. This is talking about a life of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So, Lord, I want to live a life of faith that's pleasing to you and a life that's like bait to others who don't have a relationship with you. So, Lord God, help us to, say, to stay focused on your plan, your agenda, your purpose. You just say that, Lord, I want to stay focused on your plan, your purpose for my life. Lord, we want to live for something that's greater than ourselves. So we build the fish gate. We have an occupation. <laughs> we have a calling that's about more than just a working life. But we have entered into our life's work. The purpose of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we know that there will be those who may oppose us making this decision, the Sanballats, the Tobias, the Arabs, the Ashdodites. But Lord, we, were, we realize that within ourselves, even we might be struggling ourselves as we reset the, the priorities of our lives. Because that's really what this takes. This is about reprioritizing your whole life about what's most important. But Lord, we choose to set this watch in prayer and to build this gate. Thank you, Lord. We choose to follow you so that you can make us fishers of men. Bless the Lord. Come on, give the Lord a praise right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The next one is the old gate. You'll love this one. Anybody ever heard of the old gate? <laughs> the theory on this one is that why they called it the old gate is that uh, this might have been the gate that separated old Jerusalem from the, the suburb of Bezetha, 
which was called Newtown. Another theory is that it once belonged to the uh, very ancient city of Salem, which was first built by Melchizedek. Many of you know about Melchizedek as it related to Abraham. Regardless of where the name came from, this gate represents a foundational gate for our lives and our families. This gate symbolizes a return to the old ways. When I say old, I don't just mean for its time. It's actually the timeless ways of God. It symbolizes the return to walking in the timeless wisdom of God. Jeremiah 6, verse 16 says, Stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. I'll say that again. It says, Stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. Uh, Jeremiah 6, 16. Since the old gate has been destroyed, in many people's minds and eyes and homes, it's millions of Americans as a nation, we no longer understand the value of the old path. We live in an era where only the newest thing is valued. <laughs> we want new philosophies, new age beliefs, new fashions. Most of the focus is on youth and youthfulness. We have millions of people striving to stay young. It's okay to want to be young, but hmm. <laughs> somehow it don't happen that way, right? We live in an era, but here's the key. We live in an era where the wisdom of age is despised. We live in an era where the wisdom of age, the wisdom that comes by age, is despised. It's amazing to me how they put some 20-something year old to speak about policies and what we need to be doing in this country and you ignore the person who's 60-something years old and then been through four, five, six, seven different presidents and got some experience. You cast that person to the side and listen to the 20-year-old who you ain't even been here long enough. <laughs> I love the 20-year-old zeal and enthusiasm and strength, but you don't have the foresight and the insight and the wisdom to lead a nation. There's a big difference between having maybe some street smarts and some experience to be able to survive personally and even do well for yourself personally. I see that a lot in the media. People get up and they tell their story, their business success story, their entertainment success story, their sports success story. But whatever it took for you to become a personal success may not necessarily be the policy that an entire nation needs to, na to take for a nation's success. Personal survival skills is not the same things as wisdom to lead a nation. Let me say that again. Personal survival skills is not enough. That's not enough of what it's going to take to lead a nation. David in the Bible is a perfect example. He had more than just personal survival skills. He proved that he had personal survival skills, but he also knew how to be a shepherd. He also knew how to be a leader. He also lived with integrity. He refused to kill the man who was after him. So that when he became the leader of a nation, he had more than just personal survival skills. And so we live in a nation where that's exalted. Personal survival skills. Which is what a lot of us learn in our youthful days. But that can't lead the nation but we keep setting that up as this is the way things are done. So that gate has been destroyed in many lives, in many hearts and homes, listening to what the old folks, I'll say it that way, listening to what the old folks are trying to tell you. 
but it actually goes deeper than that. Job 12, 12, listen to this. Job 12, chapter 12, verse says, wisdom is with aged men and with length of days, understanding. Let me say that one again. Wisdom is with aged men and with length of days, understanding. Look at this declaration from Job 32, verse 6 and 7. This is Elihu, one of Job's friends. He said, I am young in years, and you are very old. Therefore, I was afraid and dared not declare my opinion to you. I said, age should speak, and multitude of years should teach wisdom. Let me put that one. Can you imagine anybody saying that today? Can you imagine a young person saying that today? Age should speak, and multitude of years should teach wisdom. If our hearts and homes are going to survive and thrive, more than just survive, but actually thrive, we must rebuild and restore the old gate, which is basically the word of, and the wisdom of God. We're all familiar with this. Psalm 119 says, 105, Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So when we're talking about the old paths, I have to say this in the, in the aged and, um, and length of days. Here in our earthly realm, because our bodies are aging and getting older, but your spirit isn't. The human, the, who we are in our essence, isn't aging. Now, if they, we can say that about ourselves, then certainly God is not some old man with a long gray beard up in the heavens who's almost out of his mind <laughs> because he's so old. When we refer to God as ancient of days, that's only... That's referring to the fact that he is the same God back then, today, and forever. There is no age on an eternal God. Can you imagine that? That just puts a whole new spin on everything. So get rid of that picture of God being an old man. God has no age. So his word has no age. His ways don't. So his ways don't. His ways are classic. You know, we talk about classic. They, something that is classic is, is applicable to any age. It does not age. God's word, God's ways are classic. They apply to every season and to everyone. Wow, what a fantastic gate to rebuild. So when you say rebuilding the old gate, that word is kind of tricky because we're thinking in terms of time, but it's actually an eternal gate. The timeless wisdom and word of God that applies no matter when. That's the reason Abraham's vision will never die. That's why the vision will never die. Because, see, we're looking at it from the standpoint of this word was spoken uh, 30, probably 3,500, 3,600 years ago. That's only because that's how we see time. But from God's perspective, the word that he spoke, God sits outside of time. So when he spoke it to Abraham, he spoke it into that time. But because he sits out of time, the same word is still going forth for us today. And God speaks it, it is God, and he doesn't, change. he doesn't change, and it's going to come to pass in his timing. In his timing, because he sits outside of it. So he, just think about it, God, when God gives us a promise, it's, he's not talking from the standpoint of something that he's going to do. From his perspective, it's already done, because he sees the end and the beginning. So he's always speaking from what has already been done. Now, we live in time. We have to wait to see it come to pass. Or else we have an issue. 
<laughs> or we'll have an Ishmael <laughs> when we get ahead of God like Abraham did. Isn't that awesome to understand? So it's like, God, help us right now in this moment to reestablish the old gate. The timeless wisdom of God. Yes, Lord. You're sovereign. It's beyond us. Thank you, Lord God. You don't change. <laughs> when you spoke it, it was already done. Thank you, Lord God. So we're not going to be caught up, caught up with the newest and latest fad, even within the church world. Various doctrines and teachings that have come forth that didn't come from the timeless wisdom of God. It was the Ishmael's. It came from somebody's personal, inappropriate relationship, connection. Even those things that were done out of the timing of God. God said it, but this ain't the, this, was my poor English, but this ain't the win. <laughs> W-H-E-N. This is not the win. We got the what. Sometimes we'll even get the why. And the where, all of them, but we'll skip the win. So we have to, Lord, build the gate, the timeless wisdom of the when to do what and the where. Yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for, for proving yourself to be faithful to us through the old gate. We restore the old gate and receive the wisdom that goes far beyond the newest and the latest witty invention. Your word and your wisdom transcend time and is forever established. Thank you, Lord God. So let it be established in our heart and in our home. You just make that real personal, Lord. Let your word and wisdom be established in my heart and in my home. I just sense that we need to stop right there. We'll pick it up. Uh, thank you, Lord. We're not after fads. We're not. Just go ahead and bring out. Yes. Praise God. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we're not after fads. We're not after things of the world to bring your kingdom in, but we're after you, God. You know our hearts, and you establish your kingdom in us, and you give us wisdom in your kingdom how to move and have our beings so that your kingdom can be established from way back to the end of forever. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Brother Green.